0: Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. I do want to say for those of you who are on uh, watching on live right now, uh, your monitors are not messed up. My face really is a nice radioactive pink color. Um, it's true had uh had a had the joy to be able to go to san diego with uh anya and zoe for this their spring break their senior year they wanted to go and we went and wouldn't you know it i, I loved it we had a blast i would do it all over again except next time i would take sunscreen so um <laughs> yeah i wish i would remember that on the way so but i um i really am excited i am i'm am, i'm am really excited for tonight because I have had an opportunity to dig into something that I mean it just is so beautiful how Yahweh opens up and and, and does things because it really does a lot with what um, you know the foundation has been laid in the direction that we're heading it really keeps pushing us that momentum in that same direction um, because as I started diving into PASOC which as you probably know that's the um, the, that's how they, that's the Hebrew word for Passover, Passok. And, um, diving into that, it just really, there was a lot that was, there's a lot there. It was rich. There was a lot of things happening. And my biggest challenge was, okay, Father, what do you want to share tonight? Because I kind of feel like I could just, just explode all over the place. So. Narrowing um, that down, I think the first thing I wanted to share, though, is just a little bit about my story. And I think all of you know that, but I'm going to share it just because it just sets the foundation. Because um, I was raised in a in a home that was we called ourselves Christian. You know, um, w- went to church every Sunday. Um, there was a long season in my life where I walked away from that, but Yahweh never let go of me. And so it's just kind of one of those things that what we're walking in now is so rich and so much different. The one thing that it wasn't before, it was not family necessarily. I mean, yeah, we'd say, hey, you know, we all have the same father, but the reality of that, that wasn't real. It's just so much different. It's so much more alive now. Um, And uh, one thing, you know, specifically about, my story, my walking out is that just recently in the last couple of months, um, I've had some really powerful breakthrough because there was something in my life and, and Yahweh began to highlight it for me and it was really, it was really powerful. It was um, that realization that my, my earthly dad was, he was, I mean, he was, he was a good man. But he had a lot of brokenness, just like all the rest of us. And those parts that were broken, they were very angry parts in him and had a lot of really negative experiences. And I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna do that. When I grew up, I made that vow, you know, I'm not gonna be that way. And actually really damaged my relationship with him. My father passed away in two thousand three. And so I kind of felt like like, I don't know, a little lost, like how what do I do now? You know? And realizing that in that, because of my earthly debt and I have taken so much of that baggage, I actually had assigned a lot of those problems and issues to Yahweh. That this is my earthly debt and that's and this is this is a real thing, is that the earthly expression of our father oftentimes taints who Yahweh is if we're not careful to understand that that's not who Yahweh is. And so that's been a process I've walked through and it's actually very supernatural. I had an experience that was it would it just it was so powerful where I actually had a moment where Yahweh, who, by the way, you guys, I I know you understand this, but Yahweh isn't bound by time. Time is a resource that he gave to us, but he's not bound by time. That's why when he says he is the alpha and the omega, that's why he says when he's El Olam, which is the everlasting God, he exists outside of time. So he is right now at the foundation. In the, historic, in the part of Genesis when he, when he releases, he's there now, he's there at the end of all things, he's with us right now, he's everywhere because time is not something that he's bound by. And that's really hard for my finite brain, it starts to twitch a little when I do that. I don't get that. Um, and so in this moment, it was really powerful because Yahweh took me back to this very specific moment when my father, my earthly dad, had an angry outburst and it really tainted me. And I remember being like, I will never be like that. It just was a very hurtful moment. It wasn't the only one. It's just, for whatever reason, that was the moment I, as a child, I made a vow and literally got transported back to that moment and relived it totally different with my, my earthly dad who, I mean, he is somebody who is right now walking with Yeshua. He's not here on this earth anymore, but he's not dead, (laughs) right? He still exists. He's just not walking here on earth with us. And so I had this moment where I reconciled with my earthly dad. Like that's just like, in a way that's really weird, but it's really cool. (laughs) You know, it's just like, whoa, anyway. I share all that because I want you to kind of know where I'm coming from because it began to really change and restore who I was as a son. Because at that moment as a child, I was like, I'm not going to be that way. And basically made a decision that I don't need a father, because if that's what he's going to be like, then I don't need one. <laughs> and having to reconnect, it's been like, oh, look, what I've missed all this time. So it's really powerful. And so, and with with that it's just been that's part of my journey so when you hear Sally say a son it's like I don't know that I could have said that if three months ago four months ago that I was really a son like I knew it intellectually but it's like it wasn't my reality I didn't it wasn't who I was and ever since then so many things have begun to just untangle oh like at such a rapid pace And so when we come to Passock and we start talking about Passover there's a lot of untwisting that's been happening, just like with all of you. I mean, every one of us, I'm sure, has a story like this, right? The untwisting where you're just like, whoa. And that's what I wanted to share, okay? And I just wanna start at the beginning, which is, um, and I'm gonna, I, I, I'm not, I am not a Hebrew scholar, like mom is learning all that, I, that's not me, okay? I'm not there. So I had to do a lot of work and research. So, come on, little gay. I might... I might need two hands. So easy. <laughs> and it's also made for very short people, so... Um... Oh, look at you! Just need to see people around Surround yourself with people smarter than you, it just makes... You. Thank you, Jason. Anyway, so I... Part of my research is I'm learning you know, I'm starting to dive in and have this encounter with the, with the Hebrew language, okay so I don't pretend to be a scholar. I just know that I have some resources and I went and looked them up and began to push into it. So the three letters um, the Hebrew language that make up Passuk are pe, Semek, and het. <laughs> I do that <laughs> <Okay. sighs> um, And as I was and I and I had to reach I had to really kind of dive into that. By the way, I didn't know this until recently. For the most part, Hebrew language doesn't have vowels, okay? So when you, like people were asking me like, all right, PASA, how do you spell that? And I was like, well, I'm, I've seen it P-E-S-A, you know, O-C-H and or P-A-S, and I'm like, I don't know. And you realize it's like, there's no vowels. So you just kind of run it all together. PASA. And I'm like, okay, that makes me feel a lot better. that. Pick a vowel, any vowel, I don't know if that really matters, so <laughs> I'm not sure if it's that big of a deal. B- because we speak English and this is Hebrew. So back to the Hebrew, pay and, and, and it goes from right to left. That's also been kind of interesting because I really, you know, you get used to writing this way and then it's like when I started doing Hebrew and I'm like, okay, I'm running out of space I don't know what to do. And you can see how I totally, this isn't even, anyway, so pay sumek, shah, and het. het. And I began to d- dig in it. so, okay, this character pay, um, it means mouth, uh, to speak or to blow. Okay, when you start digging into the, and the, 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 the meanings and the richness there is releasing spiritual energy into the universe because when you speak, you frame things with your words, right? Setting into motion things both seen and unseen. Pay is the seat of our choices because with our words, we, we establish that, okay? Uh, Semech. That middle one right there, this is kind of interesting. It's actually the only Hebrew letter that is circular. Yeah, there's no other, like in our language, you know, we've got oh, we got Q's kind of a circle with you know, all those different. It was like this is the only circular one, which I thought was really interesting. Um, the picture there is uh, thorn. You can see the, the kind of the thorn at the top. Uh, support, protect. Um, imagine, you know, the like a thorny hedge of protection. Actually, that that's kind of entailed in this uh, character. It's Yahweh's protection, it's this encircling support. Um, what I thought was really interesting about this is remember how we talk about spiral. There's a spiral in, in our experience. It's not linear necessarily, it's spiral. It's like sometimes it seems familiar, like have we been here before? And it's like, you you have, but you haven't. A spiral is there's three dimensional. You start at one point and as you start to go up, you're in a different elevation, you're at a different perspective. And so you are in a similar place because it you know, things are circular, but you're not in the exact same place. You're at a different elevation. So that spiral is a picture, you know, and it could be there's an ascension facet to it, there's a there's a depth to it also, like getting deeper, okay? Drilling, if you will. So that's a really powerful picture of that. Um, spiraling path of light. It's a, Imagine like a spiral staircase, okay? Um, it's also a wheel within a wheel, and that'll come in play later. Okay, I thought that was really powerful from Ezekiel, the wheel within a wheel, okay? And then the last one, we got het, okay? And that's a wall, it's a fence, separation, if you will. Um, it's like uh, being set apart, being holy. Uh, set apart as sacred. What I also found really interesting is one of the places I was reading is that that character is a combination, a connection of Zayin and Vav. Okay? Zayin is a picture of Yeshua and Vav is us. So this character right there is a connection between us and Yeshua. I was like, whoa. So I began putting this all together and it's like, the Father speaks. And we begin to have the protection with him encircling us on a spiral journey with him while he sets us apart as holy and connects us to his son Yeshua. Passok. I know, and it's just like, whoo! I just said that. I don't That is not in my notes. The, the Father speaks and frames. And from that, we have His protection circling us, Him surrounding us, and we're on a spiral journey, both ascending to heights and descend, and descending in the sense of getting, becoming deeper. Ket is that protection, that wall, but it's also the connection. It's that set apart as holy, but that connection between us and Yeshua. I have no idea and I'm not gonna touch on that one tonight, but we'll talk later, so um, so yeah, and so I was as I started digging into this, I wanted to have that frame because it's like, you know, the only real Passover experience and I'm gonna just one second, let me open this up real quick. I borrowed my wife's computer for two reasons. One, her battery works, and number two, I figured the pink shade matched my face really nicely, so It has not been spoken over me too much. (laughs) (laughs) Delicate flower, that's me. (laughs) David, David, David. All right. So I wanted to kind of touch on, uh, go over just, I am not going to go deep into all of the richness of Pesach, okay? And there's a reason. Because next Friday at Family Night, uh, when Apostles Justin and Tanya are here, they are going to be really diving into this. Now I am going to share some only because I want to, you know, I want to be able to share enough to kind of get us someplace. Okay. But, um, there's a lot to this. There's a lot more to this and I'm not, I just, it's just so rich. And that was actually my biggest challenge tonight was how do I focus this? Because I feel like I could go off like a bomb in about 20 million different directions. There's so much there. So Yahweh, what do you have? Um, let me just do the history of Passover real quick, okay? And this is kind of a long picture, and there's a reason I'm doing this. Remember, just, it's actually kind of funny, you know how like in Psalms, there's those Psalms where the song basically recounts the entire story of the Hebraic people, and you're kind of like, there, there's, that's kind of a, you know, here's the whole history, you know, 27 years later, we're done with our song. But that's kind of what I want to do is realizing that Abraham had his covenant established with Yeshua and was brought to a place of promise the promised land so he gets to the place of promise okay he begins to his family is established there and in the establishment you see generations begin to come in there and they're successful this is the place of promise okay Jacob he is now got children and you know when things start getting really squirrely because some of the sons hated Joseph. Joseph, through this process, ends up in Egypt. And in that process, he's in Egypt, and he ends up being somebody who literally saves, not only the land of Egypt. Oh, man. This goes dead really quick. It's going to be hard to check my notes. I'm okay. um, In the land of Egypt... He ends up saving with the food and the you know with the supernatural intervention of Yahweh. Not only does he save the land of Egypt, but he saves the whole region because that drought devastated everywhere. If he hadn't been there, his father and his brothers and their families would have died in the land of promise. I want to add that. They would have died in the land of promise. And so Yahweh had a place. What's that? they would have died in the land of promise? Is that what you mean? So Jacob is in the place that Yahweh always intended them to be and the drought comes and Yahweh had to actually take and had one of his sons put in place to actually save them by having enough food to keep them alive or they would have died. So, is that good? What's so fascinating about that is then they're brought to Egypt. That's the place where Yahweh actually preserved them, saved them. Now fast forward centuries later, things have dramatically changed. They're still in this place that Yahweh had brought them, but now they're slaves. Things have dramatically changed. Now Yahweh comes and he has a whole different plan. Now I have to extract my people and bring them back to the place that I had promised them originally part of his process. In that process, of course, there's a lot there. So we're going to see more of the story. He raises up Moses and Aaron. The Pharaoh does not want to let him go. Nine plagues. And by the way, this is again, it's really cool. The plagues all correspond to different facets of the Egyptian religion, all the different things they worshiped, all the false gods they served. And he just kind of systematically just plinked them all off. Yeah. You know, the blood in the Nile River, they worship the Nile and the crocodiles in it because of where all their life came from. It's just, it's really fascinating. So he systematically is just destroying all the falseness of the religion. And he's preserving his people in, the, in their place of slavery. Still won't let them go. Tenth one, the tenth one's coming. Here's the preparation. This is, this is my Pasach, this is my Passover. You will take a lamb without spot or blemish. It could be a lamb from among the sheep or from among the goats, bring it in, younger than one year, live with you for four days. Then you will kill that lamb. You will take its blood and apply it to your doorpost and your lentil. You will roast that lamb, not boil it, not eat it raw, Roast it with fire. You will eat all of it. Whatever you don't eat, you will put in the fire and burn to ashes. By the blood on the doorposts, I will know to spare you because I'm coming to destroy the firstborn. By the way, you wanna talk about Hasatan's family? You know what a firstborn child is? And it was among not just the, the people, but also the animals. That is your first fruits of intimacy. So, the first fruit of intimacy with HaSatan was being destroyed. And the first fruits of intimacy of Yahweh's people was being preserved. So, Yahweh has them go through this process. They do this. Now, it's really, it's really interesting because in Exodus 12, when you read this, he's... Uh, Yahweh is pretty explicit. You shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil on the houses where they eat it. And they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in the fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. You shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in the fire, its head, and its legs, and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, with sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. This is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am Yahweh. So picture that. You are so ready to be to be gone that the Father's like, you eat this, you are ready to run because the moment you are free, I want you to leave and be gone with this. It was not a cat like right now we celebrate and you can see people, families celebrating uh Pesach right and it it is a time to celebrate but I felt really strongly that it's like in this season we kind of want to have that urgency to move okay am I ready to go I got my shoes on I got my staff I'm eating this and it's like and we're ready we're packed and we're ready to go by the way the leaven the unleavened bread there was a practical reason for it you don't have time to let your bread rise We're going to put this together real quick so you can eat it quick so you are ready to get out that door because slavery is ending and you are going to be free, my people, my family. Okay? And there actually it says you will search through your house and you will find the leaven and you'll remove it. And actually it's so strongly worded, Yahweh says, if anybody of the house of Israel has leaven, they will be cut off if you keep it in your house. You're supposed to remove it all. So it's pretty strongly worded. Okay. Now here's what's really interesting. I'm going to, I want, I focus on that because I'm going to come back to that in a moment. But what's really interesting is then in Deuteronomy, okay? In Deuteronomy 16, and Deuteronomy is uh, the second reading of the law. It's interesting because it changes. The instructions for Passover changed. Yeah, I was just really fascinated because it's like, okay, the reason that, you know, people of Israel right now, right now it's a day, they don't sacrifice a lamb and they have a lamb bone. Why? Well, because of the destruction of the temple. We, we remember that. And then the day will come. And I was like, well, you're supposed to eat it with your family. Like I was kind of lost. And then I realized in Deuteronomy 16, the instructions are different. I thought this was so cool, right? So in the Passover is reviewed, and so Moses is giving them instructions. You shall eat unleavened bread with it for seven days. You'll eat unleavened bread. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord God gives you, but at the place where the Lord God chooses to make his name abide. There you shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. So I was like, oh! So that was, you know, at that time the tabernacle. They had the tabernacle, and then at the temple. So the instructions changed. It's no longer in your house, ready to go. Now we're gonna like this is a bigger celebration. All the people are gonna come to the tabernacle. We're gonna come to the of the place where His name abides. Where does His name abide today? you are the temple. His name abides in you. That's where we celebrate Passover. Kaboom. You and I are the temple. You and I are the place where his name abides. And I know when I was talking with mom about this, like the whole, there's a, there's a lot to us being the temple. There's a lot to that. I'm going to let her kind of step into that one. But, so we have that. Now, what's interesting is a, a little more history. Okay, when, the second temple was destroyed. The, the, the people of Israel didn't know, like, what do we do? Like Passover was supposed to be there. Like, what do we do? This is 70 AD. There's a little, you know how we are walking into a new era right now? But there's an overlap. The old one didn't just come to a screeching halt and fall off a cliff, okay? There's an overlap. Well, Yeshua came and his sacrifice was final, but the destruction of the Second Temple didn't happen until 70 A.D. There's an overlap there between the Old and New Covenants being established. So that overlap right there, so the New, Old Covenant were still functioning at that time period until the destruction of the Second Temple. A little overlap. But when it got done, the people of Israel, obviously many of them had not yet embraced Yeshua. So what do they do? Oh, I don't know. And it actually became a problem and that's this is where they came down. It's like, no, we're not. We're just gonna have the lamb bone as part of our meal to remember when the temple is gonna be reestablished sometime in the future. And then we will then, you know, hopefully the Messiah comes and we'll then be able to meet at the temple. We're the fulfillment of that. The Messiah here he lives in us, we are his temple but they haven't they, they, and there's a, the reason this is still powerful like is that obviously Yahweh wants his people of promise to come to him in, in that fullness so there's still power in those symbolisms like I tend to be kind of like dude this is like Yeshua's already here come on but that's a that's a power that's a part of their process that they're going to have to walk through okay that's a part of their process So, there is going to be a time when the temple is reestablished, and the people of Israel will have that sacrifice. And then there's going to be a moment of revelation for them, okay? But I want you to kind of picture that history because here I want to untwist a little bit of Passover, okay? For me personally, okay, and I and I'm gonna I want to be real clear and distinct in this one. There's a difference in my understanding. I'm coming to realize that Yeshua and Jesus are different characters in my mind. I want to make, does that make sense to you? Yeshua, because I, and I used to think they were the same person. Follow me on this one. That's part of the untwisting is that there is a lot of ugly baggage that has been attached to Jesus, Zeus. At the when the Roman Empire embraced Christianity, they they attached so much paganism and to the point where I, you know, we're untwisting all that. And I didn't know all that, so I just I say I say that because I want to make a distinction between when I say who Yeshua is and who Jesus is. Does everybody kind of follow that? This is not new. Mom's been talking about that, so are we all on the same page. Everybody good? Okay. For most of my life, Jesus, had we did communion and we had the Lord's Supper and we had the elements of the Lord's Supper. All that language, does that sound familiar to you? <laughs> before, um, before my relationship with, with Yahweh became more real. When I was younger, we grew up in a denominational church and the hymnal actually had it all laid out. It was it was based in scripture, but we just memorized it and just regurgitated it in our service. Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed. I, I mean, if you've ever been there, if you've ever been there and you've ever read the hymnal, you probably could start reciting. Anybody, anybody know this? I know Ken and I, we joke about it. We grew up in different, totally different states and we had the, and I was betrayed, you know, took the bread and broke it. And it's like, we can recite all that stuff it was page seventy-seven. Did you hear that? Page seventy-seven. She says, "I it's it's real. How we have established this picture, okay? So the untwisting of that that craziness, that religion. What was really potent for me recently is in this untwisting and beginning to embrace our heritage. I don't want to even call it communion. Jesus, okay, Jesus." Yeshua, he didn't say that. He was, Yeshua was having Passover with his family. It happened to be the last one while he was on earth, but he was having Passover with his family. The unleavened bread that was there was already a part of what their Passover celebration was. The wine that was there was a part of the celebration. <coughs> Excuse me. So it was all there, and he's like, "You know, I'm not going to be celebrating this with you again until the fullness comes, right?" But that did, he didn't ask us to stop. <clears throat> and yet, my whole adult life, walking in Christianity, it was the Lord's Supper. It's not Lord's Supper, it's Passover. We called it communion. It's like, it's Passover. it's all. We've put so much weird, twisted meaning into this that wasn't supposed to be there. Does that make sense? I see a lot, like you guys have the same look on your face when I did, when I'm like, huh? Because then my mind starts thinking like, Lord, what have I been doing my whole life? Like, is it all for nothing? Is it all wrong? Is it all messed up? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's twisted. But it's not all wrong. In fact, the picture that he gave me was, how does leaven work? I mean, you put a little bit of yeast. It's not much. It's not much at all. Okay? You put a little bit in there, and you see that in, in the word. A little bit of leaven works its way through the whole lump, right? Well, the lump is just fine, thank you very much. That little bit of leaven that gets in there, that twisting that, that distorts and modifies, gets in there and works its way through the whole lump. That's why we're doing right now. We're in the process of removing all that leaven from our lives and our thinking so that the lump is pure. Make sense? <clears throat> that's, all, that's what I'm walking through. That's what we're all walking through is removing all the twistedness because who yeshua is in the past that's still real he did ask us to eat the bread and drink the juice the wine we've got juice okay he did ask us to do that to remember him but what it got turned into is just weird and to hear you know Catholics and Protestants argue over about the, you know, is this literally the body of Christ? You know, did this turn into actual Jesus? It's like that's just weird. Why, why are we talking about this? It's Passover. It's gotten so wonky. So Jesus is sitting there. With his, and by the way, I, it's kind of funny because I was thinking about, uh, you know, this, and it's like, remember that famous uh, painting by Leonardo da Vinci, the, the Last Supper? And it's got the the table with you know, Jesus all weird and holy, and it's got the little glowing thing over his head, and it's in this weird renaissance-shaped Italian room, because, you know, that's authentic. <laughs> you know, it's all that simple. It's like, it's like honestly, how many of us have a twisted, distorted version of what is happening and it looks kind of like that. <laughs> you know, you got the weird angelic music in the background. Oh, you know, it's like he was celebrating Passover with his Hebraic family. And we have turned it into something so odd and so distorted. I just want to get that all back to normal. So, and I just want to say for me personally, there has been some, and Kendra and I were talking about this, It's just that moment where it's just like, it's so, it's frustrating because it's like, it's just so simple. Like, why? And then I look back and it's like, well, why didn't that, why, why didn't, why wasn't this my reality when I was in the church, in the Christian church? And I began to feel betrayed. It's like, this is all messed up. Kind of a little resentment, you know? man, i got to undo all this crap in my head, you know? And I just want to say, it's just, in it, it, and, and sharing that as we were talking, I totally heard the words right, right from scripture, Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took the bread. And I was like, oh, Yeshua always knew this was going to happen. Yeshua in the night when he was betrayed, he took the bread anyway. He knew that there was somebody there who was trying to distort his purpose here. He still loved him. I was like, okay. Yeshua can walk through this. He's in us. He is directing us to go and begin the untwisting and the unleavening process of our own betrayal by people well-meaning that they themselves don't know. This is a deception. Oh... What it really comes down to, as I was walking this through, is Pasach, Passover is actually three feasts that are adjacent and interconnected, but they're they're mentioned differently. You know, so they are distinct, but they you really can't have one without the other. So passock the actual Passover, that represents the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood on the doorpost and the lentil. Okay. That same night begins the seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay, I'm going to pull this open real quick, hold on. Um, so Passover, we call it Passover. Hebrew word for is Passover. We went through this, okay? The feast of unleavened bread, that week process, is Hag HaMatsot. I think I butchered that one. Matsat. I, I'm not a very, <clears throat> I'm not very good at this whole Yiddish thing. So, and then first fruit, Yam HaBekurim. And so what ends up. Now this is a, here's the sequence, okay? The Passover was the lamb. As the lamb was butchered, eaten, that blood spared the firstborn of the Hebrew people, okay? That same night also began a seven-day uh, feast of unleavened bread, where that night they were supposed to remove any leaven from, that's where you know, Yahweh is like, if you find leaven, that person needs to be cut off, okay? Um, So it's really a big deal, very practical, but also obviously that's the thing that's so beautiful about Yahweh is that he can do so much. He is the ultimate in and, right? I remember, you know, having people, having fiery conversations about scripture means this. And somebody else was like, no, that scripture means this. And it's like, um, it could be both guys. And probably a lot more in addition, honestly, Yahweh, his Word is live, it's dynamic, it's, it's, it's living and it's, and it's powerful because it doesn't have just one assigned meaning and purpose. He's able to make His Word function and, a, and address many things all at the same time. And that's a part of what I want to share tonight is the process, okay? So yes, the unleavened bread was, there was a function there, a simple process of, I need you to make bread quickly so that you can leave quickly. Very, very practical, very functional, okay? Well, guess what? Leaven is also a picture in scripture of what? Being puffed up in pride, right? It's also when you realize that you are actually using sugar to fuel yeast, it's a, it's a level of decay. There's a decay as a part of this, right? And it distorts and it changes things, okay? There's a lot to it. And so we see all over scripture about, you know, being puffed up. Well, that's where leaven comes in. It's a picture of that. Well it's also practical. It's easier to make you know, tortillas than it is to let the bread rise, right? So <laughs> Gabe just got hungry over there he's all Oh yeah. Eh <laughs> it's, it's so Oh darn it. Alright, I am not happy with this. It is being fussy. Um so unleavened bread, that feast, okay? I have notes typed up on here, and I'm using my wife's computer, so... My wife's computer doesn't like me. Yeah, probably, but... Oh, there it is. It just popped up. It does like... It likes me again. It's not scrolling. That's what's weird. There it is. Now it is. I'm probably doing it wrong. Yes, Zoe. So, being set free from Egypt. So, you see the actual point of being free, being associated with Pasak and the Lamb. The unleavened bread is an ongoing process, one week. Now, when you follow how this correlates to what the actual Exodus story, this is them leaving Goshen, getting to the Red Sea, being followed by Pharaoh's armies, who are like, man, we screwed up, we got to get those guys back, sends the army. The Red Sea is parted miraculously. They walk across a sea on dry land get to the other side of the Red Sea and have the sea collapse on Pharaoh's army and wipes them out and they are no more. That is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It covers that whole entire span of time. When I heard that, I'm like, whoa. There's a process of walking out of Egypt. It didn't just happen and be like, bye. It was a process. By the way, you know what another part of that process was? They asked the Egyptians for gold and then they gave it to them. They plundered the Egyptians just by asking. Hey, you got any gold? Cool, thanks. So this is the process of leaving, unleavened bread. So unleavened bread, that feast, that week, is a process of removing what shouldn't be there and changing where you're at. Who I am now is not who I used to be. And it's also not who I'm going to be because I'm in process. I'm not who I used to be, but I'm not yet what I'm gonna be, because I'm in process. When they get to the other side, that's when the party began, and that's when the first fruits celebration. So you see the picture of that? You have an initial being set free, the process of walking away from that and removing what shouldn't be there and being set free on the other end. That's why for me, sharing this is all about process. That's what I want to focus on, is the process of walking this out. There's a process to removing the leaven from our lives. There's a process to that. Okay? And by the way, I, I asked, we couldn't, I couldn't quite work with Gabe and make this happen, but I, I want you to just imagine, if you want to pull out your phone, you can do that. A stopwatch. Your phone has one. Okay? You pull out your stopwatch, and you hit start, and immediately you have the 10, you have the hundredths of a second, the tenths of a second, you have seconds, you have minutes, you have hours. If it's a really good stopwatch, it'll have days, months, you know what I mean? So can you kind of picture that, right? So over here at the small end where you got the hundredths of a second, that is just spinning along like crazy. And the further you progress across that stopwatch, Things move at a different speed, a different pace. There's a process to your stopwatch. As this one's spinning along and it seems like it's just going like crazy, the one over here at days seems to be not moving very fast, but it is moving. Now see, here's the thing. Yahweh, in the process of having his people escape Egypt, there's a whole lot of things happening. The obvious is they're enslaved and they're being set free. But here's another part of it, okay? is that they were going back to a place that was promised to their father Abraham, going back to their, that's a part of this process, is getting back to the land of promise. That's a part of the process. I don't know, honestly, how many people were thinking about that at the moment. I think they were thinking like, I don't want to be beaten anymore, I want to get out of here. It's very immediate and and it's totally appropriate. It wasn't inappropriate. But there's a lot of, and it's also, by the way, something that I'm sure they probably were not aware of, but Yahweh absolutely was, is he's establishing his people so he could have a people of covenant so that then he could bring his son, Yeshua HaMashiach to the earth through this family that he was establishing. Had to get him out of Egypt to the land of promise. So this is also the story of the Messiah. See all the different layers. There's a lot of things happening in this process some are very obvious. We got to leave. That's very real. But also it was we're getting back to the place of our promised ancestors. They probably were aware of that one, but it wasn't the most immediate, but it was still a part of that process. It was also a part of the process of Yeshua being here on earth and fulfilling the promise of that. In fact, that's one of the things I love as I was reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And 1 Corinthians chapter 5 It says that Jesus is our Passover. Yeshua is our Pasach. It's not saying, hey, that's a nice analogy. It is Yeshua is our Pasach. That is 1 Corinthians 5. 7, thank you. Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump. It's kind of a funny picture. Yes. Hi. Maybe that's our new name, right, Sally? Who are you? You know, it's like, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a lump. Thank you very much. The first, the first body of the lump. So you may be a new lump since you were truly unleavened. See, that's that process of being unleavened, having that removed. For indeed, Christ, our Passover, was sacrificed for us. Yeshua is our Passok, Which we know that the, the, the beautiful image there is very real. It's very powerful. But here we are. We're removing that leaven so that we can become a new lump. <laughs> It is hard to say that without laughing. But I say that because in our process, there's so many things happening at the same time in our lives right now. We're all in process, right? And so tonight is heaven awareness and I want to get to the place where for us, untwisting PASOC in the process, here here are the questions and here's the things I want you to consider is that there is a process going on in our lives. Hopefully this works. Yay. Yeah. Loves me. Unleavened bread is a picture of us right now for this process. And I say this because come next week, the 26th, is Passover. That's on the Hebraic calendar. It's our, that's when we'll begin. So that will be PASOCH, and we're actually going to have a family celebration. We're actually going to have a meal here. It will be not a Seder meal in the sense of like strict, this is how we do things, okay? But it is going to be something. It is going to be something that is inspired by that. It is going to be um, reminiscent But more than anything, it's going to launch us into a week-long season between Friday the 26th and Saturday, April 3rd. We're going to be at the Brewers. Everyone's invited. We're going to have, that's the first fruits. Well, that week is us being launched into something very specific. We're going to be launched into a season of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, something I have never celebrated before in my life. But now I'm sitting here realizing it's like, I've actually been living this for the last two months of my life. Is that process of removing the leaven, becoming a pure and whole and having all the, you know, all the leaven, all that stuff that distorts and twists. That's what we've been walking through as a process. We're gonna be launched into that for a week so that we can intensely have encounters in that process. But that's a part of what I want to begin tonight. As a part of what I, for our conversation, for our time, our encounter portion with Yeshua, okay, um, we're going to be talking about we're going to we're going to be talking with him about that. We're going to be letting him reveal in us. How many of you guys? Okay, I just want to ask, in all honesty, you know that mentality that I grew up in in a Christian church, which is just get them saved. Okay, and I want to be really clear. I want to be very careful. The only thing that's wrong with that is that it's incomplete. Make sense? Passok, the lamb, that encounter with the cross is real. But the problem is, is that it all came to a screeching halt right then. Can you imagine the Hebrew people in Egypt putting the lamb on the doorposts, The slaughter happens in Egypt and Pharaoh says, leave. And they're like, I'm good. You're supposed to have your shoes on. You're supposed to have your meal done. You're supposed to be ready to go. And it's like, I'm good. We're saved. The angel didn't kill my kid. I'm good. (laughs) It's not how the story's supposed to go. There's a process. There's more. There's always more. Glory to glory. Yahweh's always got more for us. (laughs) <laughs> and yet, yet so often the mentality is there. It's complacency, I would say. That's what, for me, it was just kind of like, well, I'm good. I mean, we used to joke about, you know, it's like I got my fire insurance, you know, I'm not going to hell. Well, there's a whole lot more to what Yeshua has designed for us and what he did. It doesn't end there. It only begins there, and that begins the process. And so when all of this is, when we're talking about this, I just that's why it's like I want to have number one an awareness that there's always process. By the way, that's not a weird word. It's you know, sometimes words can take on meanings that are just kind of beyond us, right? Process literally is just this idea of being changed. We are active partners with Yahweh. Okay? I say that because. I had a distorted view of, of a process, okay? And I really appreciated um, Gabi. She shared that, oh my goodness, did you read that article that she put in the newsletter? Okay. Focusing on the miraculous, it was something for me that was just really, it really popped something in me, a, a part of the process for me. And it was really cool because what it was is really is, is, is powerful because it was, okay, um, process is me having to gut it out using discipline and my own sweat of my own brow, and I'm going to make things better. And the miraculous was all about everything that Yahweh did, and it really didn't, you know, it's distorted, isn't that Okay? Yahweh is an active participant in my process, walking through things with me. And everything that happens in a miraculous sense is me partnering with him also. It's all partnership with him. But I had this really weird view, so it's like process was like, I have to do it. And miraculous was like, Well, he's going to do it. When both of them are partnerships. And the miraculous happens in our processes. Always, always, always. And I had those, it was weird, it was kind of how in my mind I had those kind of distinct, I don't know, did you guys ever have that? Was that everything, like, you guys pictured that? Because for me, it was just like, this is my, like, I do this, this is my little job, you know. And then Yahweh's got the things over there that he does, and whatever, you know. You do all your things, and... It's like, I'm supposed to be an active participant. I'm his son, and we do these things together. So, And so when it comes to our encounter time, when it comes to pasok here's what I'm asking. Realize your process. And I want to say this differently. Realize your processes, Plural. There's a lot of things going on in your life, isn't there? Sometimes the process is like on a day-to-day basis. I mean, you should hear about uh, Jane Amber's day today. It's been pretty exciting. It was a process for him to even get here. It's It's real. I mean, we all have had those days where it's like, dude, if I can just get through this day, I will consider myself successful and not having killed anybody, you know? That's one of, if you're honest, you know you've had those days. It's like, someone's gonna die. Well, I hate to admit it, but you know you've, we've had those thoughts. It's like, oh, this is not a good day, okay? Sometimes our processes, if I can get through the week, There's a, our week has a process to it, okay? And and I, and I associate that with time because it helps me to picture it, but it's not just about time. There are processes that happen in our lives that are quick. There are some that are really long like, there are things that Yahweh birthed in me a long time ago and they took so long to come about that I think I kind of gave up on them. You ever had those things where they're such a long-term process that you're just like like it's just like did I, did I imagine that? you know was I wrong about that? you know and it's like Yahweh's still like, oh you're good no there's, there's more to this. I may only be starting. A part of a process that my children and my grandchildren will continue with. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't be a part of that process or disengage because it's like, I must have been wrong. There are different levels of process that happen in our lives all the time. And so I want to take the moment, or to take some time here for us to engage thinking about that process of unleavening the process of changing how we think, the process of how Yahweh works in our lives, okay? Because I don't know if you're like me, I really did struggle for a long time with, when you're saved, I mean, I kind of knew that that wasn't true, but it wasn't my reality. And so sometimes we could just be like, you mean there's more? I'm here to declare to you there is so much more. Let me speak that into every one of our lives. There is more. The process that we have to go through to get there is not drudgery. It is full of the miraculous. It is exciting and it changes us. And I want to just declare that over you that process is not a negative, ugly, scary word. Like for me, I, I, when I heard our family begin talking about that, it's been a couple of years. We're talking about like, oh, the process. And it was kind of like, ugh. Because my, ment- I didn't understand process. It wasn't alive. It was like, this sucks. Honestly, it was like, oh, eh, the process. <laughs> but it's alive. It's real. It is a partnership with Yahweh and doing and my family. That's what's been so alive is having so much life. And it just comes alive. And it's so cool. So just breathing life into the idea of process in your life letting Yahweh breathe that into you to engage in that, okay? Um, And I also want us as a part of our time when we engage, so not only just the, the breathing life and engaging in process, because a part of that is then identifying, you know, Yahweh, would you show me places in my life where you are working with me in process on things? Show me that. Some of them you're probably aware of. Okay? Some of them, you might be like, oh, like, you know, that light bulb moment. Oh, yeah, hey, that's really good, you know? And then I also want to allow Ruach HaKadosh. It's such a cool name for Holy Spirit. I love that. I want him to reveal where in our lives we unknowingly have twisted Yeshua into Jesus. Does that language make sense when I say that? I, I mean, I know I've done a lot of it, unknowingly. And so take that time to where the weird, pagan version of Jesus and untwist that and allow Yeshua to come alive in that and to untwist and to remove the leaven from our relationship with him because that distorts and twists and decays and, and it's not all bad it's just like like the lump I, I know it's kind of a funny word right you want to be a pure lump we got to get that out of there most of what we know is accurate it's just distorted and twisted because of all the leaven that's in there let's get the leaven out let's let Yahweh do a work in our lives and how we think and purify that so that we actually see him for who he really is. Okay? And then, honestly, sometimes the best questions to ask are really, how can I position myself to embrace the processes that he wants to do? Because there's sometimes we don't even know what he's doing, and it's like, make my heart, you know, change my heart so that I can embrace and be a partner with you in the processes that you're doing. How do I position myself in doing that? What do I gotta do? What's gotta happen? Maybe you're just like, Erica, I have no idea what you're talking about, but it's intriguing and I I I wanna get into this. And so that's something that I would say is, just ask, how do I position myself in this? It could just be awareness of process happening. It could be more than one happening so when we take this time, what, I want, what I'm gonna ask is I have, if it's okay, we can grab that now. I have, um, I made some unleavened bread. And I promise, I'm actually a pretty good cook. But unleavened bread is like so ridiculously easy to make. It is flour, a tiny pinch of salt, oil and water. You put it together and you bake it and they look, I don't know, they look kind of like lumpy cookies. They're not sweet. I, I mean, that's the thing is it's not sweet at all. It tastes like just flour, but it sustains, it keeps you going. And So these are, it is so simple to make. I was amazed because... The baker in our family, in case you're wondering, is Abby. She's really good at baking. She's very good at it. And so I was like, Abby, I was going to ask her to help. And it's like, no, I need to do this myself. Because the process of making this, I was able to, you know, use my hands. I was able to put this together. And there was a process of making this. And it was just so astoundingly beautiful and simple. So with the unleavened bread, just come up break a piece off it's kind of a dense kind of moist Jesus didn't do communion Yeshua had Passover with his family okay he took the bread he broke it and he handed it out so here's what I'm gonna ask in our in our time for encounter I have a little bit of bread we have a little bit of white grape juice it's not communion. Don't think of it like that. We're going to untwist that. Yeshua is celebrating Passover, His family, us, his sons and daughters. That's what he's doing. When we come, realize that there's no leaven here. This is a pure lump, as it turns out. It's very simple. And that's the beauty of all this, is that it's simple. It's so simple. In my mind, I make things so complicated. I'm such a dork that way. It's so simple. So in this, we're gonna celebrate Passover with Yeshua. So in that, those questions, how do I position myself to engage in this process with you, Father? What processes are happening here? How do I untwist and unleaven all the things that I've picked up in my life walking in religion and just have it be pure in my relationship with you? This is a process, well, it's never going to end. Let's face it, it's not going to ever end. But this is what I'm asking for you is to have that untwisted, pure, unleavened moment, if you will, with Yahweh to show, to illuminate, and so there's no, I don't want you to come rushing up, but you know how we've had some chances. When you're ready, when you hear him beginning to show and reveal, come break off a piece. If you feel like you need to do this more than one time because you've got maybe, you're recognizing some multiple processes or maybe some different places to be untwisted and you want to get an additional piece of bread, come get it, that's fine. We have the juice also here because those were the things that Yeshua established. Do this. When you do this, you remember me. So I'm just going to go ahead and if you want to turn the music up a little smidge, Gabe, that's totally fine. And just take this moment now to ask those questions, to push into him, that untwisting. And then when you're ready, come on up. Partake in Pesach with Yeshua. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Ayers International. If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at Kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.